Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of Records Near Me, a podcast for music lovers. This episode will be going inside Smash Records in Washington, D.C., which has been at the center of the hardcore punk scene there since Bobby Polsky first opened it in 1984. It has been, and still is, the premier punk and alternative music and clothing store in D.C. Originally located in Georgetown, the store moved to its current location in the Adams Morgan neighborhood in the mid-2000s, where the legacy continues. It is now owned by Matt Moffat, former employee at the original location, and in a bit, you'll hear me talk with him a little bit about the store and a little bit about himself. Now, this place is really cool, and I love how specialized it is. They mainly carry punk, indie, and alternative rock, so don't come looking for anything else. And when you first walk in, you'll see all the CDs in the front of the store, and you'll see the back is split between the vinyl and clothing. And did I mention they also sell skateboard stuff? If punk is your thing, Smash is your place, because it's a one-stop shop, so you should check it out. But without further ado, let's get into the show. But first, let me just say thank you to Andre for recording my theme song for me. Records be me, let's go and see what lies behind the records of mine. If you lost it, found, take in the sound. It's the place to go when you're feeling low. So, if you don't mind, I'll share what we find. I'll make a podcast. So all these we laugh If you lost it, found Take in the sound And we finally get To hear me say Wow! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Records Near Me. Today I'm joined by Matt Moffat, owner of Smash Records right here in Washington, D.C. Yo, what's up? Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, um, you used to work here before you bought the place, right? But at the Georgetown location. Yeah. So when did you start working here, and how did you get started? Well, I before I even worked here, I was more of just a customer. Okay. Um, to make, I don't know, uh, to... I got into music, and so I got into record stores. I'm from the Maryland suburbs. Um, so there are record stores everywhere in the eighties, you know, big chain stores, little, uh, independent record stores. And so I, um, I don't want to say I fell in love with it, but like I, I ended up frequenting, um, mm-hmm. music stores, um, along the same lines, just, just to kind of keep it in like, like comic book stores are probably maybe like a kid's first love. Mm-hmm. So I would say like the local comic shops were the ones where I, I kind of learned how to habitually collect. Um, and then uh, from there, when I got into music, I was like, oh, well, I go to the record store every week and I can spend $8 on a cassette, you know? So I started like building up a little collection that way. And, and I had like an older brother um, that kind of steered me into more alternative music, I guess. Hmm. Um so, but Smash enters the picture because Smash was a store that opened um, originally in 1984 by Bobby Polsky, was the uh, original owner. And the point of the store was it was a punk rock store. Mm-hmm. So, and what that means is like it was geared towards what punk rockers liked. So, of course, that 
entailed music um and then it entailed like shirts um and hair dye uh and just you know stuff with skulls on it um you know anything that you could kind of make a connection with with punk um i think i think that's what bobby was going for mm-hmm. um and it was in the height and of course in dc in the 80s it was in the height of the, the a big punk scene mm-hmm. in dc and and worldwide you know the the, the i, I want to say like kind of like the like your dictionary definition of punk mm-hmm. that scene was was still like fucking really big in 1984 when bobby opened the store so yeah. he was smart and he he had like a built-in clientele and, yeah and on top of that it was it was a new idea because you know probably got a little bit of flack from people being like oh you shouldn't capitalize on punk um but at the same time there were a bunch of fucking kids that wanted to buy skull stuff so yeah um so that's how it started and then i'm not an original punk um but i had a cooler older brother <laughs> and so he took me into georgetown uh, as i said i'm from like the maryland i'm like from outside the metro line in maryland mm-hmm. but I'm still within the bus line, so I had, you know, I had a little way, little bit of a means to get from A to B, mm-hmm. but for the most part, um, you know, I had to rely on my older brother uh, during those years. So he brought <laughs> me down to, drove me down Canal Road to Georgetown, parked, and, and it was the first location, because I remember, um, no, I remember going in, um, and him buying, like, a pair of Doc Martin shoes, um, which uh, Bobby stocked, and another punk rock related article of clothing yeah um and i was kind of like i didn't even know like a place like that could exist because like i'd been used to kind of like going into regular record stores and kind of finding what you like within it Mm -hmm. you know but there was still like it wasn't only geared to what you like but smash was certainly geared to more things that a kid liked Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of people have um, fond memories of that era, um, because there were just weren't that many places that that dealt with it, dealt with yeah. that kind of stuff. So I think each city, each big city, kind of had like that store, you know. And in mm-hmm. DC, uh, it was Smash. Nice. Um, and 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 I, I should also point uh, Commander Salamander is the is another is was the other store in Georgetown that still gets a lot of memory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people remember that store too. And yeah. I always thought that store was more uh, geared towards fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, as and, and I always thought like of Smash as like <laughs> a real punk store. Yeah, I I've heard people say the opposite though, so I don't know what I don't know what the truth is. All right, guess yeah. it's up for debate. It is. It's always it's always up for debate. <laughs> so when did you start working here? Then you said you started as a customer. Oh God, I didn't even get into that, did I? Yeah. Um, so that would have been my brother would have driven me. It would have been like eighty nine probably, because then Bobby moved the store across the street basically mm-hmm. for the nineties. Um, cause I remember like the second time going being like, Oh, I can't find it. And it was because it actually moved across the street. <laughs> um, and it was in a basement spot for like basically the nineties. And then in like 2000, 
he bought another place on the block and moved it into there for a couple years. Um, and that, at that point, um, is when I asked and got the job. So nice. I was I was pretty much just a customer for that first decade from like 89 to like mm-hmm. 2000. And then I was willing to work on a, like a Friday and Saturday night. So Bobby hired me. Um, mm-hmm. And I had... Um, worked in record stores before you know that was like my first job was working at like the waxy maxis in the burbs so okay i have so this has always been what you've done then well or did you take a break in between no i worked in a liquor store during my college years okay fitting yeah i can't forget that um but anyways, uh, I, I didn't I didn't get the job at Smash because I, I had retail experience at Waxy Maxis. Although I guess if it's, I didn't even fill out a resume to, <laughs> to to get the job, um, I just at that point I knew Bobby well enough where he mm-hmm. was like, okay, you can come in here on the weekends and work, and it was that simple. Um, wow. So yeah, I worked for a couple years, um, and that was right around the time that Bobby wanted to get out. Mm -hmm. So he, uh, like as I said before, he owned the last Georgetown spot. Mm -hmm. And so at some point he was like, it just makes more sense for him to rent out the space as opposed to like try to run a store. So he was just going to shut the store down. But then a a couple employees um, just asked him if we could just keep it going. And he said, yeah. Awesome. So, and that's how I got it. And the only stipulation was that we had to find uh, another uh, storefront for it. And we, at that time, we did not think Georgetown, uh, the writing was on the wall with Georgetown. It was just like not going to be a a feasible place Mm -hmm. for uh, the store to operate. Um, So we just kind of scouted different neighborhoods. And I guess I, I don't even. I get well. We just we decide on decided on this one. Yeah. So um, and I don't think it was a mistake because it's been a, you know, fourteen years later and we're still here in the same building. We were upstairs for the first couple of years and then we moved down here. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So uh, to answer your very simple question, <laughs> um, I started working here in like I want to say O two. Okay. And then Bobby gave it to me. Um, in 07 was when we 07 was when we uh, put everything in this building nice yeah uh, Bobby is as was at that time was like super helpful I, I think he liked the idea that like it was gonna stay open that people someone cared enough to want to continue it you know yeah and so i think he appreciated that and so he helped us as much as he could like and like he you know he gave us all like some of these racks are, are bobby's old racks and um you know uh, product you know he, product that he would have had to liquidate he was like oh okay we'll just just hold on to it and consign it you know so just stuff like that so we ought so it wasn't like like we automatically had to find like a store full of stuff like a lot of the things that make things you know make you know opening your own business difficult we were able to sidestep because we had pe- you know people like Bobby um, to help us out that's great yeah yeah it was 
So what would you say is the customer demographic then? Do you get a lot of tourists or a lot of locals or um, mix? Everyone. That's the, that's the good thing is that uh, we don't over-rely on, on any one demographic. So you still... You, you still get kids coming in here and when they come in and they're like, wow, this is awesome. You know, they, so you get that occasionally. Mm -hmm. um, you get just people that live in the neighborhood that, that you know, are just walking up and down the street and they just, they just look in the window and like, oh, what's in there? Um, and they have no idea of the history of the store. They, they walk in, they're like, oh, how long have you guys been here? And then I, I, give, I just give them the, the full story. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, and then you get people that are longtime loyal customers, you know, since the 80s. You know, I just sold something on the internet here, wow. and the guy was just like, oh, I used to, used to go into the shop in the mid-80s um, before it was mine. So, like, I am, again, I'm fortunate that I have that connection with Bobby where other people, people that have, like, I, I'm experiencing that via proxy, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but at the same time, there's also people that when they mean like, oh, you know, I'm an old customer, they mean from like seven years ago and they are talking about me, you know, like, so mm -hmm. the store has been through many phases and it has, um, it's got a clientele to kind of match. Um, so, but yeah. in general, I, I just say it's just people that, that, uh, that live in the city. I feel like it, I get more of that than people like trekking in from the suburbs. Because mm -hmm. the internet uh, killed that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, uh, and and I, we do get tourists. Yeah, that, that is that certainly people come to DC and they want to find um, something kind of like this. Yeah, yeah, like like I would when I go to other cities. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, have you guys always sold skateboards and stuff, or is that a you thing? Skateboard stuff has always been a little bit a part of the store. Uh, because like you know skateboarding in the 80s was was kind of punk so uh, Bobby wasn't in charge of it but there were always like he always had maybe people that rented out an area and would have a little skate shop in the back that happened that happened off and on through mm -hmm. his ownership um, I've always skated since I was a little kid so when I took it over I just took all my old skateboards and put them on the wall so it's part of the decor um, because of that I also sell I don't go all in, but you can buy skateboard stuff here at Smash yeah. uh, because of that, because um, why not? So what has been your best live music experience? <laughs> um, well, that one, you probably want to say like, I, I, like your first show. I, I, this is going to bleed because like, I've also been like I played in bands, so mm -hmm. I would naturally want to like answer that with like a, a played this gig on this on this mountain kind of a thing. Yeah, um, I mean, which was it's awesome. any live music. Which, well, well, yeah, but I, I don't know if you asked that as far as like me being in the band because it's it's just a different dynamic. But playing that fucking mountain. Yeah, talk about the mountain. I want to hear about it now. Um, okay, I brought it up. So, um, like a lot of punk rockers, I got into like playing music. So I formed a punk band with my bros, and we traveled around for a couple years. And we played this one show. It was 
they called it the Pirate Punks in like Northern California, right? And I think the year before they must have set up a show we played and it was like good enough. We're like, hey, if you guys come back. And so the next year we were coming back. They're like, yeah, come back this weekend because uh, we're going to do our, uh, you know, our mountain show. I'm like, oh. <laughs> all right. So we set aside that weekend. And what I just remember was wherever we, we, we had, a, if you go that side, that part of the country, usually the drives are pretty long, right? So we mm-hmm. probably came from like, I don't know, Portland. So we had like a super long drive. And then we got to the place and then we realized like, oh, we have to do some off-roading and we were in like in a van. <laughs> it was like a dirt road. <laughs> it was so treacherous. And I remember like at one point, like, like like we're going up this road like the mountain is here and if, you know if someone was a poor driver we could have just died oh no you know it was like you know scary stuff like should we be doing this should we turn around and not continue but you know we might as well you know we might as well just fucking go yeah and we go and we were super late too that was the other thing we were super late everything was in full so when we got there you know a lot of times you go to these things if you have to be there at 2pm and there's a lot of like twiddling your thumbs and you sit there and you wait X hours mm-hmm. for like a show to happen. Mm-hmm. But the better way to do it is if you're fucking really late and you get there <laughs> and it's already a show, everyone is having this great time and they're just like, oh, you're here, go play right now. We're like, oh, okay. And we go and like set up <laughs> your stuff. We're like, we're going to play our rock music. And then everyone was fucking drunk and on drugs because they're on a mountain and everyone like, <laughs> you know, it was fucking great. The response was good, and I re- and uh, people were into it, and we played on the side of a mountain, and uh, that was, since you asked the question, that was the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah, that's amazing. And that was, was a great it, story. It was, it's, like, definitely, like, my guys that were there, like, if I'm like, hey, remember that time we played the mountain, and, like, everyone's just gonna smile. Everyone's gonna be like, yeah, I remember that. Because it was so super cool. Wow. Risk but, your But I, I feel like I have to answer your question the more proper way okay go for and it and we're gonna um, for like as far as like the um just going to a show and feeling like and being introduced to a scene and uh the morrissey show and now it's a kind of a dirty word now because everyone hates morrissey <laughs> but that first morrissey show um when um the Smiths had broken up. I missed the Smiths completely. Let's just get mm-hmm. that out of the way. If you saw the Smiths in the United States, like, you know, kudos <laughs> to you. You're 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 a badass. <laughs> um, but so when Morrissey did the solo stuff, he didn't tour. So he did Viva Hate, and then he did all the like Bone of Drag being basically the second album, and he didn't play the state. So he kind of built up built this, um, you know. People really wanted to see him. People were excited to see him. So on the third album, uh, he did the tour, and that was the one um, that uh, my brother. He there is a good. This is a good story for you. <laughs> so you now, you now, everyone just goes on the internet, and it, you know, whenever time you got to do it, you just do your thing, and everyone's kind of like hope hopes they get their ticket, right? Mm-hmm. Which is great. That's so much better than than the way. But when you used to have to do is you used to physically go to JCPenney, you'd have to go to like a ticket outlet, right? Yeah. And people would camp out. And so that was the thing. It was like a little bit of a camaraderie thing. Oh, we're going to go camp mm-hmm. out for you two tickets, you know. Uh, so that was a, that was the thing that 
even it wasn't even my generation. I felt like it was people like a little bit older than me that, that they did. But um, my brother had a friend whose mom worked the J.C. Penny in the in the booth. Mm. So when that 12 p.m. came, she she got those four tickets, and so we had really good seats. Oh wow! We had really good seats for that show, and I was really excited about it. And um, and I think we went there. It was during the day, so I got to see everyone. And as I said, I already explained this, but I, I was like, it was like the first time I was like I was so bored with um, where I came from in the suburbs because it was like pretty unexciting as suburbs. As, as suburbs can be. <laughs> yeah. And so seeing this kind of like cadre of people, it just it just made me like wonder where they all came from. So, um, and the show was okay too. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, and you know, over the course of the years, I've actually met some people that were at that show, you know, so I've actually been able Whoa. to like, I mean, it was a pretty big show still, so, but like, uh, you know, it, it's nice that you can kind of, you know, people, you know, you meet people that were there at, you yeah. know, diff- at different points, you know, and even though I didn't know them, it still is kind of nice. We, we still, like, there's probably. a, I'm, I'm thinking of a particular friend of mine who, who was there, and, and, and I didn't meet her until, like, five years ago, but we have this, like, kind of weird connection, <laughs> like, oh, we were into the same thing at that point in time, even though we didn't know each other, so. Wow. So, yeah, so that's, that is the more proper answer to your question. Okay. All right. Um, so, have you ever been starstruck by somebody coming into the store? I did meet Johnny Rotten once. And I made like oh, wow. the biggest ass of myself. It was in this neighborhood, but it, he didn't. He didn't come into the store. At the time, I would just leave here work. My friend's bar was across the street. No, they're not there anymore. But I used to just go across the street, mm-hmm. get a, get a beer, and just chillax with my friends. Um, and when I walked in, there was like a like a guy in a suit was like. And, and the bartender were shaking hands, and this was right when we thought the bar was going to go. I was like, oh, my God, did I just witness, like, my friend's bar just going down the tubes? And so I'm like, what was that about? They're like, I'm like, oh, no, it's not what you're thinking. That guy's, like, managing some band, and he wants to maybe film, like, like a like documentary, like part of some documentary here in the bar because um, it, it's called Pharmacy Bar. He thought it would be good for the band. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what? what band and he's like no some band called pill <laughs> i was just like uh my, my my friend who was into punk but he seemed like it like he totally was just like totally didn't seem to he didn't acknowledge what was going on so was i was just like casual. i was like are you telling me that fucking johnny rotten's gonna be walking into this bar man he's like no no some guy named John Lydon. I was like, ah! I was like, oh! I was like, so frustrated with him. So frustrated. And he's like, dude, they're going to come, man. He said they're going to come. So I was like, okay. And so every time the door opened, I was like. <laughs> and they totally did not come. And I heard someone else saying where they were. And I was like, all right, guys. It's nice to hang with you. But I got to go somewhere else. So I went up to the rooftop bar. Harry's, which is like not like a punk bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I lied my way in. People are like, "Oh, we're close." I'm like, "Oh, I'm with the band." They're like, "Oh, just go straight upstairs." <laughs> yes. <laughs> I walked up and and uh, yeah yeah and uh, walked and there was like it was like 
I don't know, a typical rooftop bar setting. It wasn't that packed. It was just like kind of people milling about. I was carrying this huge box of like records. And uh, I just set them down. I walked to the end of the bar and I was sitting down next to Johnny Rotten. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And if, and I now might also say this is before like, oh, everyone hates him now. This is before like he said all the things that people hate him now about. They hated he Whatever he said then, people hated him too. But it wasn't as a... It wasn't as bad as, mm-hmm. as now. But anyways, um, then I didn't know what to do. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do, <laughs> right? Because I was starstruck. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had a phone. Uh, this is phone era, and uh, I think it was pre-smartphone era, though, for me. And uh, I just texted people that I thought would care. I was like, hey, I'm in a bar next to Johnny Rotten. <laughs> And why would, I don't know what I thought. Like people were really gonna give me solid advice. People were just like making fun of me. <laughs> but like I just like sent like just everyone in my phone. Yeah. And uh, at at the some point when the other regular people in the bar started realizing like oh this guy is a celebrity, then I was like oh shit I'm gonna blow it if I don't if I don't make my move now. Like and some guy was like yo man I heard this guy's famous you want to take a picture? And I was like. I was like, oh, if, if I take a picture of you, will you take a picture of me? And he's like, all right, bro. <laughs> and so I took the picture of him. And at that time, I, I didn't have a smartphone. I had I had a wedding camera in my pocket because I only always kept a wedding camera in my pocket. I have this picture, so I'll, I'll send it to you. Yes. And so I give this guy a wedding camera. I'm like, hey, man. He's like looking at me like, what the fuck, dude? I'm like, that's my camera. And I take my picture and 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 and. Uh, and John Lydon turns to me and he's like, what do people want from me? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Right? And it was like really (laughs) awkward. Because at that point I revealed myself not as a random person, but as like a blah, 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 blah. Because you're you. I love you. And then like he was like, and he realized he's like, oh, and he just turned his back. And then when he, he got really drunk and when he left, I was like, I've got to do something went down the stairs and I like touched his shoulder and I went you changed my life <laughs> classic and he, yeah, 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 yeah 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 that's what I'm telling the story and then and he was walking down the stairwell and he just went whatever and heard that, it before yeah that, that was that oh my God. that was that so that, that that's that's the funnest answer to your question <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. All right. Later. Well, everyone, there you have it. Thanks for sticking around once again. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you'd like to take a dive into the punk scene of Washington, D.C., make sure to check out the playlist I made on Spotify. I'll link it in the description. And also, don't forget to like or follow Records Near Me on your favorite listening platform to stay updated. See you guys again in two weeks. And for those of you wondering how an amateur like me can randomly decide to make a podcast, I've been using Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Best of all, though, Anchor is totally free. So if you want to make a 
podcasts like me, just download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.